might want to change up the intro for this episode. I don't know if there's been a podcast where the intro is just one prolonged sigh for like five minutes, but that feels like the right kind of intro for today. So, Fergie Files Podcast, here we go. Yo, 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 what is up, guys? What's happening? Um, you know, Manchester United, uh, not looking so hot this morning after yesterday. Um, there's a lot of expletives and different words we could use to describe what that performance was like yesterday for Manchester United. For me, the biggest thing is, um, humbling. I think, I think it's a good reminder of where we are as a club. So I'm going to try to be brief and short and sweet with this episode. Just keep it to, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, because really what I want to talk about is not diving into the match yesterday against Liverpool and our 5-0 drubbing that we were handed at home um, by a clearly superior side. But I want to talk about um, the future and what I think is going to happen with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who it seems is really close to the end of his time at Manchester United. How I think that will be, we'll look at some available managers, people who are currently out of jobs who could step in right away. Um, I think it's probably like we would go that route in the middle of the season and not try to poach someone from their contract and their other job. That seems unlikely to me. So we'll talk about all of that stuff. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, Liverpool best dressed, whatever they wore yesterday. Jeez. Um, if they wore the right thing. <laughs> it's definitely was what, at the beginning of the season, one of my favorite kits for sure. That cream colored Liverpool kit. It, they just, Nike just got that one right with the balance of the, green and the red and the black shorts with the red stripe it just looked really good um and my other favorite kit really um i mean obviously manchester united's home kit is is one of my favorites i love that we went with a white collar white stripes down the sleeve so i think the two of those teams playing in old trafford it looked great it was a great looking match um aesthetically it was a really poor match to watch for a manchester united fan or a neutral for that matter um for liverpool fans cloud nine Surely, I mean, uh, brief recap, right? How they started the match. We had a chance on three minutes to to go ahead. Bruno Fernandez, I think, was going for the near post top corner and just just got under his shot too much. I actually think he probably should have tried to go low far post. I think he would have had Allison beat if he had tried to just send it across. And I think he could have got it around his defender. But nonetheless, he did not take that opportunity. And Liverpool proceeded to score on five minutes through Nabi Keita. And then, yeah, uh, kind of the wheels fell off from there. Mo Salah started things off and ended up getting a hat trick. And, um, yeah, shoot, I don't even remember who got the fifth goal. It was Nabi Keita. It was Mo Salah with three. Um, trying to think who else wheeled away celebrating. <laughs> it doesn't matter, ultimately, and I'm too lazy to look it up. Um, and it's too painful to look it back up. It was a really, really bad performance. But I think without being overly dramatic, you know, okay, it's one game. So that's always a, a positive, right? We can go again. We can start over in the next match. And hopefully we will figure something better out the next go round. We certainly don't have the uh, fixture list in our favor with what's coming up. We're, we don't have any easy games, that's for sure. So um, I do really want to focus on what this match highlighted, though, for Manchester United. There's a lot of problems that we've had for a long time. And I think. I've been critical of Manchester United, despite our signings and despite um, how exciting it's been to see us score stoppage time goals. The, 
commentators for those of you in the u.s will know on nbc sports it was arlo white graham uh Lisseau and um lee dixon who were commentating yesterday's match and i think they hit the nail on the head they were really talking about um you know how manchester united play without a really clear style or a clear tactic or a clear game plan that the whole team is subscribed to um and you know this is something i've said for a long time despite the fact that I like Ronaldo and I like Bruno Fernandes and I like some of the other signings we've made. I like Sancho. I, you know, I look at the team and I really do like a lot of the players as far as their quality is concerned. Um, I think there's a really talented side in there somewhere. They just don't play together. And they said that um, on the broadcast, they mentioned that Manchester United have led for a cumulative total of less minutes than anyone else in the Premier League or they're on the same uh, level of minutes uh, of time leading matches as Burnley, who's dead last, if I remember correctly, which is a really interesting stat, right? We are winning a lot of games at the death or in the last moments and credit to us for not giving up. But I find that really problematic because teams like the Manchester United of yore that we all think of, all of us from uh, my generation and before um, can think of and think back to as a reference point, say that's a team that, yes, we had some Fergie time goals, right? That term exists for a reason. But we also dominated matches almost no matter who we were playing. And we killed them off early. And you look at the likes today of Liverpool, of Chelsea, of Manchester City, of other big teams in Europe like Bayern Munich or like, um, you know, I don't know if PSG is a good example right now. Um, or if there's even a clear example in France or in Spain or even in Italy, because those are some more uh, closely contested leagues. But I don't know. You just see some of those top teams in Europe and they don't let the match go from the time it kicks off until the time the final whistle blows. They are on 100%. And I think we too often have really big swaths of matches where we have no control over it and we really look lost and don't have a game plan and are basically hoping for individual brilliance, which again is what the commentators spent a lot of the time talking about yesterday. All of that leads to um, the bigger conversation outside of just the context of this match, which is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer very well may be done at Manchester United as manager in the in the near future. I don't wish it for him. I do like what he's done. I read from one of the uh, Manchester United fan Instagram accounts that I follow a really interesting comment that I felt I agreed with a lot, um, saying that Ole has done a lot for this club to bring us to where we are, which is... Um, perennial Champions League members, um, you know, consistently in the top four, um, signing big name players again. There's excitement around the club. This is not where we were when Ole took over. When Jose Mourinho left, uh, and before that when Louis van Gaal was manager, and before that when David Moyes was manager, this is not the Manchester United that we knew, um, you know, at that time. We weren't making these huge signings, and we weren't we weren't doing what everyone expected we would do even when we did make some signings because, you know, credit to Angel Di Maria or Radamel Falcao. Those were big names when they were coming into our club. So, um, you know, it just, we were in a very dark place and Oli, I think, brought us out of that and to a place that's much more sustainable at the, um, in the top tier, but we're at the bottom end of that top tier. We haven't looked close to City consistently, close to Liverpool consistently in the league. We haven't looked like we were really challenging for any other trophies for a while. Um, you know, semifinals seem to be where we 
where we're able to make it, um, you know, and then last season at the end of the season, losing after 11 penalties in the Europa League final was a really big bummer because it did feel like that could have been the, the Kickstarter that we needed. That's a trophy for Ole, and that's something that could really give us momentum going forward. Unfortunately, we didn't get it, and now we look at a position where we're in today with very few points from the last couple matches and almost losing a couple Champions League matches. We lost our first one already. I mean, we are, yeah, we are a team that's lost at the moment. I think when you think about the future and you think about the other teams that are out there consistently competing for titles and being um, in the latter stages of their tournaments, uh, respectively, they have a game plan more often than not that is evident, even to the lay person, even to someone who doesn't necessarily study tactics or pay attention to that kind of stuff. And I certainly can't call myself someone who's a, a you know, tactically really aware. Um, I do generally take note of the shape of teams and try to see what it is they're looking to exploit in the match. But I think for Manchester United, that's been a challenging endeavor lately. They do look lost. They do look like for these portions of the match where we're down 2-0 to Atalanta in the first half or we're down 4-0 to Liverpool or we're losing at Leicester or, um, you know, there's just these huge portions of the match where we basically are employing this hit and hope approach. We're just kind of hitting a long ball, switching the play, hoping Luke Shaw can do something on the left, spraying it back over to the right and hoping Juan Basaka can link up with Greenwood and do something going down the right. I mean, it, you know, we really are just like hoping that something is going to click, but it doesn't look like we have some really well-oiled machine in place that we know that no matter who has the ball and who picks it up in whatever position, we know where we're going and we know what we're doing, right? I think I looked pretty closely at this for the last couple matches and we look for, as a team, we look for triangles all over the pitch, right? We look for that quick let's find two other players and let's start playing around people and playing through the lines. And you see moments of us being successful at that, but they're far too, uh, uh, far too infrequent for us to really get anything going moving forward. I think we've got to, we've got to create something else. We've got to do something else. We have to find a way to uh, really press the ball when we're out of possession and really force the other team to be uncomfortable, especially at home and really, um, win the win possession back when we you know when we need it we you know okay yes it's five nil but Liverpool pretty much had possession consecutively for like 15 20 minutes at the end of that match yesterday and it's never been that blatant and we've never really been in the position where we're losing five nil so of course it's an exception and an outlier statistically but you definitely have seen this in other matches where there's one two three minutes where the other team very comfortably has possession and basically can do what they want at will um, if they want to move up the left side, they are unencumbered to do so. And that's down to our tactics, and that's down to not the players that we have on the pitch because they're very confident and they're very fit players who can absolutely run the whole match. Um, but it's just down to the tactics and what the manager is deciding to do. Um, and on Instagram, I said I think it's really important what we do Monday to Friday sets the tone for what we do on the weekend. And obviously, okay, Champions League fixtures aside, I'm really talking about training. And you look at a team like, for me, the gold standard of having a game plan is Diego Simeone's uh, Atleti teams of the last couple of years. I mean, some of the performances they've been able to pull out from seemingly thin air have been incredible. And they just are so well drilled. They just know what they're doing. Um, 
we need that. We need that level of approach because you look at other teams like Liverpool or like City or like Chelsea who they have a game plan. You know, uh, they definitely, even if they don't always stick it to perfection and they're not always quite as uh, Simeonian in their approach to that game plan, um, they they know what they're supposed to do and they always find their way back to it. Even if there's periods of play where they aren't maybe looking how they should. Um, that's what Manchester United needs a hundred percent. We need someone who's going to come in, set up a structure and say, look, I don't care if you're Ronaldo. I don't care if you're Sancho. I don't care who you are or what clout you bring to the table. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're about at this club. And this is how we're going to approach every single match, whether it's Burnley, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's Bayern, whether it's a final, whether it's a Tuesday, it doesn't matter what it is, right? We shouldn't be out of the Carabao Cup after the first uh, first time of asking, we shouldn't be um, in the position we are in the Champions League, which admittedly, yes, is good on points and good in the table, but poor in our performance. We should be dominating those matches. We have categorically the easiest group. I think it's pretty question. Uh, it's pretty undeniable. We have probably the easiest group of anyone in the Champions League, um, and yet we are almost botching it three times now. We lost the first match, and we probably should have lost the next two. And we didn't, but we probably should have. Um, so I think what we need is a manager who's going to come in and set up a really definitive system. And I honestly don't know how long that's going to take, what that transition process is going to be like. I think I think Manchester United have been more than fair to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, considering the stature of our club and the fact that he's gone three seasons with no trophies. I think that's that's pretty damn good compared to what other managers uh, have gotten in the past, right? So, you know, you've got you've to say fair play to the board and to whoever is the, uh, whoever the other powers at V are at Manchester United for giving him this amount of time and backing him consistently in a couple transfer windows now. Um, but the reality is what he's got is not enough to take us to the next level where we could win another Champions League, where we will win the Premier League. At this time, I'm not saying that he will never have that or that he doesn't have it and just isn't using it or whatever, but the way it's looking now is bad. It's desperate. It's all over the place. It is, oh, please, Ronaldo, God of goals, come down and give us a goal so that we can spare some blushes for another week. Um, that system won't work. That's not going to win us a Premier League. And what Ole's doing, it's either not getting through or it's not enough. And something has to change for us to start seeing progress. So as much as I hate to say it and hate to think it, I do think that Oli's time is is coming to an end. I would expect that before the January transfer window and most likely much sooner, we will be with a new manager. Whether that's Mick Phelan, whether he sticks on after Oli leaves, or Michael Carrick or someone is a caretaker until we can get another manager in, who knows? That's a really tough question to ask because often there's a transition time and it's not like the... Van Hall to Mourinho transition. You know, Van Hall wins the FA Cup and then is basically told, all right, bud, you're out of a job. So, sorry. I think that's probably not likely to happen mid-season. Um, so most likely there will be some kind of a caretaker in place for a short term. Um, and then we'll see. So nice segue into who's out there. I mean, who do we even think about as far as signing another manager and who's going to really give us a style to play with? I mean, I'm looking at a list here. Um, this is from Transfermarkt, um, and they often have some pretty in-depth information about players and stuff, and today we're looking at available coaches. I'm just going to read through a, a list of some of the 
names that I think are bigger names um, that are out of a job right now that could potentially come in. And then we'll talk about who I think might even make any sense. Um, so there's Ernesto Valverde, formerly of Barcelona, Kike Saitin, also of Barcelona, Frank Lampard, Andrea Pirlo, Antonio Conte, who's been rumored a lot already heavily in the in the aftermath of the Liverpool match. There's Lucien Favre, from, uh, formerly from Borussia Dortmund, Frank de Boer, who was manager of the Netherlands most recently, Paulo Fonseca, who was the Roma manager before Mourinho. There's uh, the Brazilian Dunga, um, Mark van Bommel, uh, Mark Hughes, Steve Bruce is recently out of a job um, and has said himself most likely he won't be taking on any other managing jobs anytime soon. I'd be very surprised if we went for him or if he took it. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann is another one. Um, Andre Villas-Boas, who you may remember, formerly of Marseille. Eddie Howe, formerly of Bournemouth. Um, you know, that's just a list of a couple. None of them particularly, for me, inspire a ton of confidence. You know, I don't know which direction we would want to go. I don't know if we're going to go for another kind of inside hire, so to speak, and bring a former Manchester United person into the into the role, whether that's Michael Carrick or, uh, you know, one of the coaching staff of Oli, or if we just go for someone completely new. You know, Antonio Conte obviously has probably the uh, best uh, or one of the best resumes of those available managers. I don't know that that necessarily means that he's the best for the job, but, you know, he's definitely had some experience in the Premier League and obviously winning the uh, Serie A with Inter last season. Um, you know, and yet <laughs> just illustrating the uh, brutality of modern football, he won the Serie A and then is out of a job um, at the end of the season. So whether that's his choice or not, hard to say, but uh, he certainly could be an option for us. Um, one I would say that could be interesting is Lucien Favre. He obviously was the caretaker for Borussia Dortmund for some time um, and has some high level experience. He's a little bit older, um, but definitely Borussia Dortmund with Jaden Sancho. He, he knew how to get the best out of Sancho. And boy, would I like to see that million dollar, a hundred million dollar investment pay off for us. Um, so that could be an interesting appointment as well. You know, I don't really know who I look at and think, oh, yes, definitely. Um, and in the past, there have been some of those, um, you know, instances where I feel like, ooh, this would be really interesting if Max Allegri came in and he was the manager or just as an example of a manager we talked about at, at one point. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of options. One that would be a totally out of left field but interesting appointment would be Mark Hughes, obviously former Manchester United player. Uh, has Premier League experience for a long time and um, is someone I like as a manager. I like the intensity his teams usually play with. Um, you know, he was in charge of Southampton for a while there and has definitely been around the league for quite some time. So that could be interesting. And another one, another manager who I liked a lot while he was in the Premier League, I can't say I know much about him now, but Eddie Howe, of, uh, formerly of Burnmouth, um, you know, younger guy, very energetic, also tried to have a lot of energy in his sides. And Bournemouth saw a pretty good amount of success with him, actually, considering um, that they were kind of not newcomers, but were definitely some of the uh, shorter serving members of the Premier League at the time they were in the league. So it could definitely be interesting for, uh, you know, again, kind of another out of left field appointment. Eddie Howe could be an interesting one, too. All right. I think that's enough for today. Um, I think I'm going to head out here. And leave us with the thought that no matter what happens, obviously the Liverpool result can't be changed. 
But there's also brighter days ahead for sure. And whether it's with or without Ole, I think the biggest thing that will impact this team is our ability to come together and play as a team with a clear system in place. When you see a manager with an excess of talent and an abundance of resources not know how to manage it, it's actually not as challenging of a solve as I think people are making it out to be. What we need to do is pick our core group, start to set up a system that works around those players, and then help our younger guys and our fringe players fit into that system. We don't need to design a system around Ronaldo, but we do need to design a system that works for Ronaldo so that he's not the only one creating chances, but that he's a integral part of the attack like, like any one player should be, especially for a forward who we expect to score goals. I think if we can start to do that, we'll see um, you know, our wingers be supported a little bit more tactically, and we'll see um, Jaden Sancho come good, and we'll start to see the best out of Marcus Rashford again and, and out of Greenwood again. And um, you know, we'll start to see our midfielders really thriving when they have a little bit more space and a little bit more instruction. Um, these are the kind of things that we need. And then we need an on-pitch leader who's going to implement those tactics when he starts to see it go wrong. And I think that's Harry Maguire. I hope that's Harry Maguire. And if it's not, I think it could be Varane or I think it could be Luke Shaw or De Gea or someone from the back who's able to really get things going. Um, you know, So I think when we start to get those things in place, we're going to see a much different Manchester United team. And my hope, of course, is that that happens this season and we start to see some real change happen. All right, guys, that's it. That's enough. We've got big matches coming up. I believe it's Tottenham next weekend in the Premier League. And then I know we've got... Um, a couple of big matches coming up, another Atalanta trip as well, um, this time going to uh, Bergamo in Italy. Um, yeah, we got a couple of big matches coming up. So certainly it is the hope of myself and I'm sure all of you that we have brighter days ahead. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm going to try to get podcasts out as often as I can. Um, my schedule hopefully will start to regulate itself a little bit here shortly in the coming weeks and months. And otherwise, again, I appreciate it. If you have questions or comments, send them in on Instagram, Fergie Files Podcast on Instagram, or send me an email, Podcast at gmail.com. It's Michael Folger. It's the Fergie Files Podcast. I appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time.